Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, uh, <clears throat> huh, huh. What's the, let me, uh, let's start off with a question. What's the most powerful substance or perhaps the most powerful uh, thing or element of, of our human condition? It's, <laughs> I don't, it's pretty obvious humanity is going through a pretty big upheaval and the norm has been tossed out the door and we have this big void where the norm was. So what's going to decide the new narrative? You know, using really conservative math, at least a a billion prayers have been prayed to every manner and form of God over the centuries, and zero times has a glowing entity descended from the heavens, waved a wand, and transformed our human condition. Nuclear power didn't exist by itself. It was created. So God or goddess is it's not going to show up, quote, in person, unquote. I suggest to you the most powerful substance to sculpt, to craft, to decide, to create the next chapter of our human story is humanity itself. We're here for the human experience. You don't pluck some kid out of kindergarten and stick them in a PhD class. It's who they become in the journey that makes them ready for the class. Our human consciousness, our human, our human genome is what our human consciousness, quote, runs on, unquote. I think it's, I think it's us. It, human consciousness created nuclear power through its uh, intellect. Nuclear power in and of itself is not, has no motive, has no agenda. It's a vehicle of human consciousness. See how human consciousness seems to be a root here? A root element? What's the most powerful substance for our human narrative? I would say it's us, the humans. But what the hell? Here we are. You know, the in previous shows, we talked about Get all the saviors, all of them, all, all of the saviors from all of time. Pick your favorite. Let's put them in a coliseum, in a stadium. And uh, zero, none of them have saved humanity. There's been saber rattling and talk of war, talk of big war. We're nowhere near out of the woods, and yet every religion with every one of their saviors have come and gone, and here we are. Saviors in and of themselves are not, see, we can't, we can't have a narrative, let's say heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. We're going to experience heaven on earth when we, when we can embody heaven on earth, when we can embody unconditional love. 
So, so what does narratives have to do about that? <laughs> Good question. Welcome to the show tonight. The topic tonight is vetting your narratives, and uh, you're with yours truly for tonight's episode, vetting your narratives. But I want to take a minute out and once again thank India for another uptick in listeners. I'm really fascinated by the Eastern and the Western philosophies or religions or practices the the eastern and the western i think both of them have components that are are critical to to the cocktail that's going to bring heaven to earth i want to thank canada and australia and england For for our listeners, we're here for you. So let's get to it. I know we're going to run out of time. There's there's so much we can unpack when we talk about vetting our narratives. So, okay, right off the top, let's get clear with our language. What the hell's a narrative? <laughs> What is this narrative we're talking about? Well, in tonight's conversation, I'm I'm using the term narrative as in a in a broad stroke, so to speak, in a general sense, our thoughts. That that dialogue that we have running around in our head. It's it's pretty common today that you can just talk to an appliance and it'll understand you. It can dictate what you say. But what if what if we had something dictate what we thought all throughout our day? And at the end of the day we get this big this big file with thousands and thousands of thoughts that we had throughout the day. What if we printed all those out and then we take maybe three different color Sharpies or highlighters and and the thoughts that promote our growth that are in resonance with our truth, that are in resonance with our authenticity, we highlight it in green. And then our thoughts that really didn't do anything for us, kind of like background noise, no substance of their own, we marked in yellow. And then derogatory thoughts, thoughts that, that, cast us in a in a less than flattering light we marked in red and if we were to spread all spread all this out and look at it in general if you were to think about today what would your percentages be are you are you consciously aware of your thoughts because our thoughts create our narratives. You know, I, I like the example of pulling a kid out of kindergarten and taking them up to the college graduate class and sticking them in a chair. And the professor's yakking about something, whatever. Um, calculus, we'll say calculus. And uh, so the the professor's speaking information that has um, an understanding to it. And as he speaks it, that wave of energy moves across the room and comes in contact with the students. Our narratives, our thoughts, our repetitive thoughts, literally determine what information we can ingest 
what new information we can bring into our psyche. So that little that little uh, kindergarten kid sitting in the college class, here comes his calculus flying through the air as sound, and it careens off him and nothing sticks. But as we are here for the human experience, we put him back in kindergarten and let him increment through the educational system and he learns addition and subtraction and then he trigonometry and geometry and then algebra and he's he's changing his vibrational equivalent and now and now he's had pre-calculus same kid same kid But based on his narratives, his thoughts, based on his narratives, you put him back in that chair, and here comes that same sentence. And he's vibrationally in the ballpark of what is being spoken. He's in the neighborhood vibrationally, and here comes the calculus And it's a small step for that information to be ingested and understood. Right? So what about our souls? Our souls sitting there watching us. Holy cow. (laughs) And our soul has all this information for us. But if we're not the vibrational equivalent, if we're not even in the ballpark, that information cannot be received. It cannot be integrated in our persona. It can't. So our our narratives are a really, really powerful aspect of ourselves. Quote, negative, unquote, narratives will keep us stuck. Uh, That might be something like blame, looking out at the world out there and pointing at things and people and conditions and say, woe is me. Look at that over there. That is why I I am bound. Blame binds us. The narrative of blame collapses our ability to receive information. So, you know, you know what, wherever you are right now, you could call up a television transmitter manufacturer and order yourself a television transmitter and have it delivered, pop it on the ground and hook up power to it and turn it on. What would happen then? What if we put a TV set right next to the transmitter and holy cow, now we've got some power. Now we've got some we've got something to to work with here. We can we can put story in this. We can put narratives in this and and it'll come out. Well, if you go buy a TV transmitter and plop it on put it in the garage, put it in the kitchen. And bling it up. Make it look sparkly. Well, if you buy that transmitter and you hook up power to it and you turn it on, nothing, nothing, nothing will come out the television. What? Just because you have a transmitter doesn't mean you can communicate. You need programming. <laughs> and isn't that word a, a stickler? Program society. Program the mind. Let's run our programs. I say this. I've worked in TV 40 plus years, so I'm using it as an example. So we have our consciousness, and we're going to use the metaphor of that TV transmitter. We have our consciousness, and if I don't apply a signal, my consciousness is silent. 
But when I start talking, I can form sentences. I can create waves of information, philosophies, ideas. When I plug a signal into the transmitter, it modulates. It takes that information and projects it through time and space. When we look at our narratives, our narratives is is kind of the our narratives create the wake of our experience. Our narratives is really kind of the steering wheel, um, at least initially in our spiritual journey. Your soul looked at. I think this is really powerful. Look at your family of origin. Look at your mom and your dad. Look at their mom and their dad. And look at the the lineage of narratives, the lineage of of thinking, of believing. Sometimes we incarnate into a family that's got the opposite narrative baseline narrative that our soul intends for us to achieve in our lifetime. In other words, our soul will choose a household that's that's the polar opposite of what our soul intends for us to achieve in our life. The reason I say this is the day you were born, were you born young? Were you like really young when you were born? You know, I was I was born young too. I was I was really young when I was born. If hey, you know, if we're both born young, hell, we could be the same age. If you think of a newborn baby, it's like that brand new transmitter. There ain't nothing coming out. There there's not a thought or belief system based on symbols, based on language, to form narratives out of. And where did your narrative generator get created? Your family of origin, your ma and your pa in general. There's many, many, many dynamics that souls are born into, but we're gonna use the standard household kind of thing. And they point and they say, that there's a chair and that there's a a table and that there's a door and that there's a Bible and and that there's a Bhagavad Gita. And then they turn around and they assign value. Well, that's way that's way important and, and that thing over there that's not so important. And we're literally creating in our persona, we're literally bootstrapping an ego from scratch. The day you were born, nada, no ego to speak of, no symbol table, no value table. Well, it wouldn't be complete if we didn't bring some emotions in here. We've talked many times about the posturing of the mind and uh, the emotions. Because we're going to find out that our narratives are really um, built around our emotional demeanor, our emotional stature. Uh, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. In my family of origin, the emotion of anger was very intense, a very strong, prominent player in the family dynamics. So when I learned how to create narratives, I learned to avoid sentencing, to avoid thinking patterns, to avoid behavioral patterns that might trigger emotions. Wait, what? 
all my narratives were skewed to one side to avoid upsetting the the anger narrative in the household? Do you think that that created an an ingrained pattern of thinking and an ingrained pattern of my own narrative as it relates to an emotion? Damn tootin', it it absolutely did. Before I got cracked open, my mind was scared, was extremely intimidated. I'm scared is a fine word that that'll that can work. My mind, my ego, subconsciously in the patterned thinking process that was decided by the environment my ego was raised in created an arena of narrative that avoided so um, a broad swath of what my narrative could be had I had a healthy relationship with anger. So what do you want? What do you want? What do you want consciousness to do for you? What kind of an experience do you want consciousness to give you? Do you have a vision board? Do you have uh, affirmations that you do every day? The red Ferrari and the and the mansion on the on the beach. Vibrationally, what you want? Did you answer that question? What do you want? What is it? Pick one. Pick three. Where where do you want your life to go? If you were to look at what you want. And just like that kindergarten kid stuck in a college classroom, what's the vibrational difference between who you are now, between your narrative now, and that of what you want? The the more we have a lattice of beliefs and expectations, the more we have a rigid narrative, especially with black and white thinking, this is right and this is wrong. I'm not I'm not telling you to abandon your preferences, but both light and shadow are the dance of love. Rumi said that. Both the wrong and the right are the dance of love. But when we posture, when we posture with what we don't want, just like I postured with the emotion of anger, I create a standing wave of energy. I create a lattice, a lattice of thoughts and beliefs in my psyche, in my energetic psyche, And that lattice is very much like a fence. Just like when the college professor yacked out that calculus stuff and it went leaping through the air as a pressure wave in the atmosphere and arrived at that kindergarten kid's persona, when we have thoughts and beliefs that are rigid and structured, They form a lattice. They form an arena, a vibrational equivalent that can decide what we can recognize with our intellect. When that kid goes through and takes, you know, early math, middle math, and uh, up close to calculus, he's vibrationally shifting the arena 
that he can receive information from. So if you have a vision board, if you have an idea, if you have a dream for your life and you're not vibrationally in resonance with it, your soul's going to want to bring you about. <laughs> and and if I'm posturing with anger subconsciously that's a huge fence so let's say uh, on your vision board you want to have a deeper experience with love you want to have a deeper relationship with your beloved and you have a lot of unresolved junk in the trunk. You have a lot of unresolved emotions in your psyche. And you have a thought and belief system that was installed in you when you were growing up. How likely is it for your parents to to turn around and delve into the emotional arenas that were the framework of the posturing of the household? In other words, how likely would it be for my mom to choose dialogue or narrative that would easily bring about an angry reaction in my father? Zero to none. The the posturing I, I imprinted on my psyche as a child unconsciously. I wasn't consciously aware that I was taking this on. My soul intentionally chose a family dynamic that had um, issues with anger. My soul intentionally chose a family dynamic, a family narrative that had an extreme amount of posturing in it. Wait, what? If if my soul wanted me to be a powerful person in this lifetime, and yet it chose a, a heavily um, karmically loaded, lots of karmic stigma, chose a family dynamic that would instill strong karmic posturing, in my psyche, well, vibrationally, I'm pouring concrete. I'm pouring concrete. How likely is it that I'm going to be able to navigate any kind of traversing of the karmic landscape? How likely is that going to happen if in my formative years, I'm living in a household with rigid, strict, a strict karmic dogma, karmic stigmas. What the hell? How do we, how do we navigate? How do we get loosey goosey with our narratives? How we put a little wiggle, wiggle, giggle, giggle in our narratives so we can traverse ourselves karmically, so we can move around our vibrational equivalent so we can have different experiences than what we've had in the past. Er? What if you're a little kid at the kitchen table and every time you went to talk, your parents shut you down? That's enough out of you, young lady. Every time you went to speak your mind, nope, none of that. And then later on, your soul wants you to stand up and talk in front of people. Think there's maybe some conflict of narrative there? How would it feel to 
to stand up and speak your mind, do you think you'd have any uh, any subconscious emotional posturing with that kind of behavior? We would be remiss if we talked about narratives and we didn't talk about emotions. We we create these karmic troughs, these chasms, these these ruts, these karmic ruts through our repetitive mental patterning, our repetitive mental habits. So we talked about having all our thoughts dictated and whatever, we print them out on paper and here's a... <laughs> Here's a ream of paper that that uh, denotes all the thoughts we had today. Well, what if we did that every day for a long time? Would today's stack of thoughts be really close to last week's thoughts? Pick a day last week or maybe last month or last year? or maybe even decades? What if it matched your family of origin? What if your narrative, that pattern thinking, hasn't changed in a long time and you're depressed and you're, you're uninspired, you're, you're treading water, you're, you're disconnected from the passion of your heart, you've, you've learned to ignore the vision of your soul. What the hell? What do you What do you want out of life? What do you want? Can is that an easy question for you? What do you want? Can you answer that quickly and mean it? Have you thought about it? Have you vetted what you want? Because a lot of times when we when we want stuff, what we really want and what our ego wants doesn't always match. Your soul might want you to bump up against anger. Your soul might want you to heal your relationship with your emotions, and yet your ego wants nothing to do with that. We've talked before about our emotional... All the problems we have with our emotions have nothing to do with our emotions. Well, kind of, but the emotions themselves are impersonal. The emotions themselves are not where we get tripped up on emotions. Our emotional problems are mental. It's our mental, our mind's relationship, our mind's memory, our mind's history of a particular emotion or a collage of emotions. So let's take two scenarios and, and play them out. Oh, my God, we're halfway through the show. Um, okay, so two scenarios. Uh, one household, um, very, very tough stuff. Domestic violence, family members beating the crap out of each other. Um, to draw your attention, to draw anybody... If, if dad's drunk on his ass and you get his attention, he might just come over and beat the crap out of you. So the last thing you want is attention. You want to be invisible. Okay, that's one household. We'll flip it over to another household. And hell, this is merry and fun. And there's everybody plays musical instruments. And, and you do all this improv all the time. You jam it out and you're encouraged to take the lead or... Maybe it's a, you like debating at the dinner table and everyone wants to hear what you have to say. Okay, fast forward these two scenarios into like college. Now you've moved away from home. You're on your own. And there's a, a talent contest. And from the domestic abuse household, 
fellow students say, hey, you should enter that. You'd be great at that. Now, look at the structure of the narratives, and that kid's like, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. I don't want to bring attention to myself, right? In his narrative, in his mind space, to bring attention to yourself is risky and dangerous. And flip it over to the other kid, and the and the fellow students say, oh, hell, you ought to enter that. Damn right I ought to enter that. Let's get to it. So you see the opportunity to participate in the talent show is inert. It's indifferent. But when it comes to these two different people, the reaction is completely different. You see how the narratives we live in determine how we experience our lives? Vetting our narratives. Vetting our narratives. When when you go to discover some of the subconscious aspects of yourself, If I were to ask you, can you list everything in your subconscious mind? Well, the answer would be no, because it's subconscious. It's off the radar. You might have an idea that you have an issue with a particular emotion. Now, before I got cracked open... Had you come up to me and said, uh, we're taking a poll, uh, would you please list the three prominent emotions that decide how you live your life day to day? I would not have put anger on that list. And yet anger was deciding everything about my life. 100% of my decisions were vetted against the possibility of it um, stirring up an an angry emotional response. I didn't know that there was an elephant in the room and it was deciding a vast majority of my choices throughout the day, every day. That it was uh, keeping my narratives in these corrals to keep me, quote, safe. There's nothing safe about that. To keep me, quote, safe. Well, it might have kept me safe in my family of origin, but if I can't allow anger to come up in my persona, I suck at allowing my narrative to expand, allowing the ability of my narratives to traverse my karmic experience, to allow my narrative to move into a more vibrational equivalent of what I desire in my life. Narratives are really powerful. It's done unto you as you believe. And and what are the thought processes that create that those beliefs? Your narratives. So in my teachings, I teach no thought meditation. Stop your thoughts. When you when you take away the microphone, so to speak, if if my thinker had a microphone and my personality went up to the microphone and and spoke the thoughts into the microphone, if I take the microphone away It, it's from the silence of no thought that subconscious thoughts can become conscious. If I can create a palette of silence, any thought that shows up in my consciousness is 
is uh, highlighted by the silence on either side of that. Do you want to become enlightened, a being of light? Do you want to connect with that, that core light at the center of your being? I promise you there's no thought going on inside that light. In the, in the non-local space, in the light of our consciousness, there's no thought. There taint. There taint nothing there. There's nothing there. When you're in that light, there's no thing, including sentencing, including narratives. That's what's so powerful about no thought meditation is you're collapsing the narratives that create separation. So to take inventory of your narratives is to become aware of your narratives. To vet your narratives, you have to be aware of your narratives. Listen to yourself as you go through your day. Is it in your demeanor not to accept things from others? If somebody offers you um, cookies in the lunchroom, do you always say no? Do you always say no? Or do you always say yes? Rigidness in our narratives is like karmic concrete because it vibrationally keeps us the little kid going through school is vibrationally traversing his karma. He's moving the vibrational equivalent of himself by changing his narratives. So many people don't tend to their narratives. They don't. They don't. Even <laughs> even spiritual gurus and and people that that tout themselves as some kind of um, gift from God in the spiritual arena. I am I am the great salvation of humanity. Uh, here's my dogma. Instill it in your consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> Here, install this uh, this this uh, lattice of thoughts and belief systems. The burning bush said, "I am that I am." Show me the structure in that. No lattice. No uh, vibrational pigeonholing. I am that I am. The whole damn rodeo. I am that I am. The Bhagavad Gita, as it is. End of story, as it is. There it is. The more dogma, the more, um, well, you know, it, it's like uh, I can speak for Western religion because I kind of grew up in that um, pond. Uh, the path of righteousness. We must mold ourselves into righteousness. When we find ourselves in righteousness, then God will find favor on us. I am that I am pretty much says, yeah, not so much. The shadow has to be a valid choice if we're ever going to learn the scale, the scope, the spectrum of the human potential. Both light and shadow are both the dance of love. God doesn't mind, quote, negative, unquote, karma, because we need to learn our preferences. We need to learn the why of it. The, the times we're living in right now are very, very powerful because so much is up in the air. 
Do you want to live in a city where looting and rioting is the norm, or do you want to live in a safe city? You're probably figuring that out now. It wasn't. It wasn't in the uh, the front of your mind. I I know that that example doesn't exist in a in a very large part of the world, but you get the idea. Uh, honest politicians, uh, the you know um, malicious politicians, whatever. All the upheaval, all the upheaval that we're seeing is helping us vet our preferences. The more we can hone our narratives to be in alignment with our life purpose, the more we can hone our narratives to be the vibrational equivalent of what we want, the more conscious we can become of our narratives, the more conscious we can become of our choices moment to moment, Using the example of all our thoughts dictated on a ream of paper, if if in in general, the basic narrative, the basic dialogue that we run in our head day in and day out, if that's not changing, neither's neither is our our karmic disposition. When I when I stick a signal in the transmitter. So let's play with that transmitter thing a little bit. So you get a DVD player or whatever, and you put it next to the transmitter, and then you go to the DVD store, right? I know, I know. That's an old thought, but too bad. So you go in the DVD store, and here's all these genres, adventure, comedy, drama, horror, suspense. These are categories of narratives. And then you pick the ones you want, you come back and put in the DVD player and you press go, and now your consciousness is broadcasting that vibrational equivalence into the field of infinite potential on what's mirrored back to you. A mirror of your narrative. Your word is your wand. If you have emotional dogma, oh. so let's say you, you take inventory of your three or four most prominent archetypes that you prefer, you're confident, you're, um, I don't know, pick one, warrior, whatever, and then the archetypes you don't prefer that you're, you're executing day in and day out, uh, self-doubt or shame or guilt and you go into a DVD store and you take the archetypes you don't want and you pitch them in the return bin and then you you look up at the store and, and those are your your choices of manifestation. But chances are until you clean out the vibrational equivalent of the unresolved emotions in your subconscious, the karmic stigmas that are loaded up in your subconscious creates a karmic momentum. Think about a, a gigantic super tanker ship in the ocean. It weighs hundreds of, or thousands of tons and it wants to turn around just turn around, turn this ship around. It might need a quarter of a mile to do that, and it might need 45 minutes, right? Because it's loaded up. There's momentum. There's inertia to the cargo, to the weight. It's how our subconscious is. So many people have loaded up their subconscious, and they're not doing crap about it. And they have a very consistent life experience. You might hear somebody say, I've married three different guys and they've all cheated on me. 
that that's a subconscious momentum. Okay, and so you unload your subconscious and now you're more of a jet ski. You're agile. You want to turn around, you'll do it in a fraction of a second. You'll do it within a few feet. You're nimble. You're agile. If you want to give your soul the ability to express in you, through you, as you, in a very diverse, in a very opulent way, you need to undo the mental karmic stigmas, the mental karmic posturing in your narratives. You need to vet your narratives for thought processes that don't serve you, for belief systems that are antiquated to what you want that are in vibrational contradiction to what you want to experience. Is any of this making sense? Show of hands. Okay, good. At least some people. To untether the soul is to clean out your subconscious. To untether the soul is to collapse the mental constructs and and lattices, the rigidness in your narratives, if all your thoughts were dictated on paper every day, how lucid, how, how, how much wiggle room do you have day in and day out, or do you pretty much just run the same narratives over and over again? Do drivers suck? Do... Um, are, is there parts of humanity that that you find despicable? Is there things that get you emotionally upset over and over and over again? Well, those are real good places to to look at if you wanna if you want to learn how to traverse your karmic experiences, to learn how to reprogram your psyche for new karmic experiences. For you to loosen up the the rigidness of your ego so your soul can have more say, your soul can have more sway in the thoughts that go through your head today. Vetting your narratives is always a powerful thing to do, especially on this planet. Is this making sense? When we when we look at emotions, the the emotions of joy and excitement amplify our thoughts. Joy and excitement amplify the energy of our thoughts. It it strengthens the energy you're putting out into the ether and thus amplifies the, the resonance of what you prefer. You can check your narratives. You can vet your narratives by looking at what gets you excited. What thoughts and feelings bring a sense of joy? Sometimes it's not always obvious, like uh, a challenge. A lot of times we might avoid the idea of engaging in a challenge. What were the consequences in your childhood if you failed? You dropped the plate on the way to the sink. What was the consequences of not doing it, quote, right, unquote? What if you didn't fill that righteousness template? How were you looked upon? So you have a collage of narratives running in you now. You do. 
You do. And some of them are conscious and some of them are unconscious. In order for you to in order for you to vet your narratives, you have to become conscious of them. If you're not aware, you can't make a choice. It's like sprinkling flour on the kitchen floor to see if you've been sleepwalking. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? What are your beliefs? What are your attitudes? And which ones of those are not compliant, compatible with what you want? The vibrational equivalent of what you want. The most powerful thing you can do, I would suggest, because your human consciousness, we talked about human consciousness being the most powerful substance in our human narrative. So many of us live in our in our minds, our egos, life in the fast brain. And our ego decides pretty much 100% of our narratives throughout the day. But when you can when you can slow your your ego down, your brain down, and create spans of silence, then your heart and your soul has a chance to throw out a sentence, hey, write a book. And if the ego's narrative can't resonate with that idea. If your ego's narrative, oh, hell, I shouldn't, me write a book? No, no, no. All my narratives were incompatible with the inspiration of my heart and my soul. Write a book? Oh, hell no. I'm just some small town kid from Utah. Who the hell wants to hear what I have to say? My narratives were not compatible with the vision of my heart and my soul. But thank God my heart and my soul were more stubborn than my ego, and I've written books, and I will write more books. For humanity to change the trajectory, we need to change our narratives. And I suggest to you what we're really looking for is the narratives of our heart and our soul, not the repetitive patterning of the narratives of our ego. When we create space, when we create moments and opportunities for our heart and our soul to inspire us, that's the portal to a new a new paradigm, a new narrative, a new outcome for humanity. I'm pretty sure in order for us to have a more authentic narrative for ourselves, a, new, uh, uh, a narrative that supports us as humans, the languaging, the narratives of our heart and our soul need space. So... To vet your narratives and clean out those that don't serve you is a very powerful thing. To recognize narratives that have no weight or potential and just background noise, just busy mind, clean those up. What you want is you want 100%. If, if the dictation of your day What if 100% of your thoughts were that green highlighter? The thoughts, feelings, actions that would move you, that would karmically traverse you towards a more uh, energy equivalent, vibrational equivalent of what you want, of what your heart wants, of what your soul wants to manifest. Hey, you know... An hour goes by pretty fast. I want to thank you 
the listener, you are why we do this. I hope tonight's episode has helped. Maybe as you go throughout your day, you can be more conscious of what narratives you're running and whether the narratives you're running have an emotional posturing from unresolved energy in your psyche. Well, well, I guess I guess we'll wrap it up. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.